Hey, Jim. Hey, man. <laughs> it's a long time. I know. It's been a while. I haven't seen you in like minutes. Minutes. <laughs> minutes. Are you out of water? <laughs> uh, I'm out of water, but I'll grab some eventually. It's, it's okay. I'm all good. Uh, we've got an interesting show for everybody today. We're going to be talking to the guys out in Calgary there. Nice. We, we finally got Adrian and Byron. So Adrian's from at Unique Projects YYC, www.uniqueprojects.ca. And Byron's from uh, at Brookwright underscore construction, brookwright.ca. And we're also going to be talking a lot about uh, builders and brews. So nice. let me make the phone call so we can get these guys on the horn. Uh, give me one second. That's a little loud, eh? Technology. Ah, it's the future, Jim. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Hello. Hey. Hey, how's it going, guys? Adrian, Byron, how are you guys doing? Yeah, good, thanks, Mike. How are you guys? I'm good. Jim's on the other line yeah, there. we're all good here, man. He's like 10 feet away from me, so uh, we're still staying safe. But we finally got you guys on the show, so we're excited about having both you guys on the show. Thank you so much. We're excited to be here as well. Perfect, man. So uh, we did introduce you guys just before we got started there, and then the phone started ringing. But Adrian at Unique Projects YYC and also Triple W UniqueProjects.ca. Byron at Brookwright underscore construction and Brookwright.ca. And you guys are also part of at Builders and Brews and Triple W Builders and Brews.ca. And that's A N D. And what's this last one you got? Home underscore upkeep. That's a new one. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, we just, we just thought we'd throw that one in there to surprise you. Anyone, anybody else you want to throw in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we were talking about this yesterday. We got enough stuff going on. We don't need to add anymore. No, 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 you can always fill it in, man. That's the beauty of the construction life. So That's it's, the beauty of the West. It's yeah. the Wild West out there, man. <laughs> no, so guys, let, let's get on with this show. Jim's got a lot of questions for you guys. I'm totally excited about this one. But right now, we, we generally like over to you guys. You guys want to introduce yourselves on both your sides and then also the builders and brews and the home upkeep. And uh, go to town with it, man. Let everybody know. Let all of the listeners know about you guys. So we're pointing. Sorry, we're both we're both uh, pointing at each other from across the room. <laughs> uh, I guess I guess I'll go first. I don't know how deep we want to go here, but I'm a carpenter by trade, and I've been all throughout the industry. Spent a fair bit of my career in Vancouver um, doing commercial construction, which is a good kind of base of knowledge. But then I found that to be a little bit soul crushing, so I went to uh, furniture making school in the Sunshine Coast in the crunchiest granola region, the West Coast. Handmade furniture for a year. Beautiful, nice experience, but you can't really feed a family doing that. That brought me back to Calgary, where I went back to first construction, which then led me to high-end residential, initially doing finishing work. And over the last eight years, that's turned into our company as Brookwright, where we do high-end custom home building. So you guys, so now you're uh, you're like a GC now, right? Yeah, yeah. This is definitely something we wanted to talk to you about Jim like I struggle with this because my background is carpentry but that skill set is not very prevalent in my day-to-day I'm not on the tools anymore which is hurt some days when I'm clients or budgets or whatever but I also am in a position where I can kind of do more good work through my team and through the guys that are excited about the carpentry side so it's been an interesting balance so that's something we want to talk to you about Jim like how did you deal with that like how long did you stay on the tools uh, you know what? It, I mean, I, I mean, I haven't put the 
tools on for a long time, but I always carry the belt in my truck. <laughs> just in case. Just in case. Like it on. Does it still even, fit? Even if I'm sweeping, I just want to put it on, right? <laughs> uh, but you know what? It is. It's it's a it's a tough it's a tough transition, you know, especially when you're used to doing the work and getting shit done and and then you want to, you know, you know, branch up, branch out and uh and grow the company but you know you know as we talked about before i mean the only way you're going to do it is you you have to make that decision where um you know you're gonna you're gonna manage and it's the only way you're gonna you can't you can't you know still be a carpenter and and run jobs i mean you could probably one or two but but then you're not going to be able to grow right and is that is that the part you're is that the part you're struggling with yeah, yeah, basically. It's where both Adrian and I are in similar positions in the size of our company. So a couple of years ago, I would do that. Where I would have my tool belt on, I would get involved. But I was just the shittiest construction helper you could ask for. Because I'd be like at the other end of the beam and then my phone would ring. And then I'd find myself on a job site 45 minutes away while the poor guy I was working with is still, still there trying to get that beam in place. So it's a difficult struggle. And it was actually my guy who had to say to me, like, fire Stop trying to help us. <laughs> yeah, get, no. get out of here. Yeah, um, I, I got okay. the same thing. So. <laughs> I guess yeah. it's like you mentioned last time, I think on, on a previous show, Jim, you mentioned the missed opportunities if you actually continue staying on the tools. Right. Right. How you are not growing your business because you're you may uh, not meet a new client, a new architect, a new designer. Instead, you're on that site dealing with that beam. When right, and, and you know what, Byron, you kind of just said that. You know, the phone's ringing, and you're trying to do both. You're trying to hold up a beam, and and you can't put your concentration in on either one of them, which you really need to. The phone calls that come in because you know the phone call just may be that opportunity for a, another job or a bigger job. Or something that will, you know, help your help your, your your company grow, and and I say this is where I think every contractor struggles who was a, you know, a tradesperson, and you know what, still is a tradesperson. Just you're just changing roles now. I wasn't a carpenter, but I was a you know HVAC guy, and and I did you know I was constantly on the tools for years and years and years, and then you know then I switched over to carpentry. I don't have a red seal. I would work with the carpenters and, and we would do our own, you know, as we're growing, we would do our own small jobs, but you know, then as we started to, to grow and I decided that, okay, well this, you know, either I'm just going to stay at this point, which is making an okay living. Now making it, what do you, making a good living or do I want to expand my horizons, let's say, and, and grow bigger get to the, you know, to the higher end stuff and actually, you know, start and have a, a, a legit big business. And it's yeah. not for everybody, as you, as you know. I mean, I'm sure you've had your moments where you probably bash, you know, smash your head against the wall and say, why am I doing this? Why don't I just continue to swing a hammer? It's I can go home and have no responsibility and just get up in the morning and go swing a hammer again and get a paycheck. We are entrepreneurs and that doesn't that doesn't uh, that doesn't seem to flow through our blood and that we just want more or want to you know to increase our education more and and, and grow something and have the drive to to do it so you know yeah. I mean, that's kind of getting off track of what you're saying but it is tough 
but you have to make that leap, man. You have to you have to dive in with two feet, throw the belt, hide it in the back seat of your truck, and just start to make make that that move. And I'm sure you're doing this, but you have to probably do more of this. You know, is start reaching out to to more and more con or not contract more and more architects, more and more designers. You know, getting your name out more. You know, marketing the whole thing. If you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. If you're the face of the company, the high end client wants to see you. You're the one that has to make decisions with them. You're the one that has to sit there and give them the warm and fuzzies that it's not everything is going to go well. And I just don't think you can do both. In fact, I you know I know you can't. And I'm not saying you personally, like us as contractors that want to build the company, you can't. Especially if you, you know, you've got, I mean, I'm just looking at what we have right now and, and we're actually, have, we're, in, we're slow right now. And we've got four or five projects between Dan and I, we're still running ragged. Mm. And, you know, I mean, the year before we had eight to 10 going, we did it. And, you know, we, it's kind of like we, you know, we got in the rhythm, we've got our site supers, everybody was, you know, doing their thing, but we could have never grown our business like when dad and i first started you know i was doing i think the the most i would have done in one year of on my own over the course of the time i've been on my own was about eight eight million dollars and then dan would you know dan had years of the same you know maybe three million and on an average i would probably you know have to say my average year was a was a five million dollar five million to six million dollar um, revenue for one guy, that's a lot, and that's um, a, yeah, right. That's a ton. And uh, is it and, just you and Dan there, Jim? So it's Dan. Yeah. So Dan and I are, you know, we we manage, and then we have our we have working site supers. So we got um, there's seven of we got we have seven employees. Five of them are working. I mean, they're all working, but I mean, five of them are site supers, and also finished carpenters. You know, kind of like a long year skill. We had a coach and we had a, you know, a, uh, not a life coach, but a, a business coach when Dan and I first started. And, you know, we put out our, our goals and, you know, our first year we said, look, you know what, we're partners. Our first year, if we can do three to five million, that'll be great. Just so we get to figure out how each other work. But our five-year plan was to reach 15 to 20. We reached in the second, third year, we are already at 12. And, uh, you know, then we kind of hovered around between 10 and 12 for the last little while. And then COVID hit. And I mean, that's kind of kiboshed everything. You have to say, I mean, again, you're, you're only, you're only going to get there is if you, you put a hundred percent into the managing of the business, but also going after new business. I mean, we, we go after commercial business. We go after new home business. So we go after architects, you know, we, do our thing, like take them out, you know, when the times are good, you take them out, take them to hockey games. We do the whole thing, but I don't know how you, you, and again, we're just going back to what you're saying. Like, I don't think anyone can do that. If you're working on the tools all day, like how would you be able to go and take these guys out for months? You can't, you can't show up like, you know, covered in shit and take them out. Yeah. It, no, but it's, a, you know, if you think about it, it's also, yeah. Uh, what it's the appearance, right? It's what you, it's what you look. And, and well, you're the face of the company. You're the face of the company, but you know, when I say like it's um, what's the word I'm trying to look for? It's um, 
it is. It's it's the appearance of your company. Well, I think professionalism, I guess. Hundred percent. That's exactly what it is. Like you show up. Yeah, you know what? You can show up in a nice pair of jeans and you know dressed up. I mean, that's kind of what it is now, anyway. But respectful, right? Okay, this is what I'm looking for: the image of your company. Yeah, it's the image of what you're trying to portray, right? To put out there. And I think if they see that, they get the wrong impression. Oh, you know, this guy's just—he's covered in shit. He's, you know, he's like he's sawdust all over him. Like, how's he ever going to manage a two or three million dollar home that I'm going to recommend him for? And that's the sad thing of it. You could probably do it and probably do it just as well, but that's what they're going to look at. Is this just for the client impression? No, I, think, I think also, no, like when you're, remember, you're dealing with an architect. True. Right? So these guys are high-end, basically got the client for you, mm-hmm. and they're going to recommend you. So they they want to make sure they're recommending a company that can manage their project. So when you're up in that upper end, and I don't know how big of the jobs that you're doing, you guys are doing. I think once you cross that million dollar mark, it's a different crew. It's a different client that you're dealing with. And then as that just climbs, it's even more. I think they're more challenging. I think they're smarter. Are the crews different? Should your crew be stepping I think you, up? Or? I think this is where your this is where the growing pains come in. I think you have to as you're as you're growing, and if you have your trades with you, they have to they have to change with you. And sometimes they won't, and that means you just have to move on, get rid of them, and get somebody that's on board. Not get rid of them. Get get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> move on to another trade. Right? <laughs> you're done, yeah. Just saying, we are in construction. We right. do have shovels and we do have concrete. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Does that help you guys out? Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, 100%, you know, 100%, it's, Jim. And it, like Adrian and I are in the same spot where like we have, 13 people on our team, 14. Wow. Adrian has nine or 10, but we perform more carpentry in house, which comes with its own struggle. Yeah. Um, but it's exactly that. How do you tailor your subtrade tool that it can be flexible? You're managing the relationships that come with those subtrades while still providing competitive pricing to your clients. It's like a delicate balance. It is. Side. Yeah. It's, it's babysitting, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, I mean, I've had, like we've had our trades, a lot of our trades for, I mean, the, the longest of what I've had is probably 35 years. And, you know, he's pretty much my age and ready to, you know, get out of this. Then we have a couple newer ones that are, you know, three, four years old. Those are the, I, I think those are the ones that I'm having not the challenge with. I'm finding it easier with the younger guys that, that are getting into it, the younger trades that I can... I think, I think that's what it is. It's like a lot of these younger ones, you can mold... I was just going to say that. We can mold them the way we want them, yeah. right? Because yeah. they're, you know, they're yeah. at, they're starting and they want to get in with the, with the, with the general contractor. And, it, and, and I think it's perfect timing. It gets, you know, it's, I mean, it goes back to the, you know, teaching the old dog new tricks. It, it doesn't work sometimes. These guys are, are who they are. They work how they work. And either you like it or you don't. They really don't give a shit because they're at the uh, pretty much coming to the end of their career. Why should they change, right? Yeah. 
Let me ask yeah. you guys this. I'm curious because I ask myself this all the time too, because I'm still on the tools. I always ask myself every single week, will I miss it? And how badly will I miss it? I start figuring it out. Where's that question go and how do I answer that question? Are you concerned that you guys will miss it being on the site and that kind of brotherhood camaraderie kind of working with the crews and, and unfolding and problem solving? Are you guys going to miss all that and not look forward to the day to day business meeting calls, paperwork, all that stuff? How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I think for me, it's, I'm a little bit further down the line to firing up. I, I came off the tools probably around two to three years ago, just not got involved on the job stuff at all. So I project manage the, the jobs now. But after the business, I'm almost at the next level that I need to step up again, get away from the project manager and then go into like working on the business and not in the business. It's tough. Like those first few months after coming off the tools, it's, it's so hard and you miss it like that. That day-to-day working with the guys on site, shooting the shit and just enjoying that is, is what we're getting construction for, I feel. Like that's what we really enjoy about that. But yeah. I think what you do is as time goes on, that you realize that you have a different passion. And that passion is your business and trying to make that business the best business it can be. And I think your mindset changes. It takes time for that mindset to change. But I think it does over time. And then, you know, you just get enjoyment from something else. You can always go to site and mix with the guys and shoot the shit and, and have that camaraderie between the trades and that. But it's just in a different way. I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I mean, you can. I mean, I was just going to say the same thing. I mean, I'll go to a site sometimes and if I got, you know, if I got time, I got nothing to do in the office, I'll, I'll go to the site. And you know what? I'll just grab a broom and hang out with the guys, you know, clean up, throw some crap into yeah. the bin and, and just you're there. You're in it. And they see exactly. that year, and you, you know, and I think that goes a long way too. When they see that, oh Christ, the owner's here, and he's not afraid to pick up some garbage, exactly, right? And then it yeah. just—I think it just filters down that you're, and nothing is beneath you, especially when you're no. when you're in this business. And I think you know, and if you if you have that attitude that you're not better than anybody else, and you're, you know, yeah, I may be the boss, and I may be the owner of the company, but yeah. I want to make sure the site is clean because it yeah. is my name on this thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I think you need to do that. Like as a business owner, I think I'm not saying that you don't, you you have to do this, but I think if you work through the trade from the bottom all the way through the top, I think you you know you get to see how your business works from every level, from the laborer that's sweeping the floors all the way through to you owning the business. Yeah. And I think you, you get a better perspective of things and you treat people better and, you know. Sure, because every, everybody yeah, has a job to do and exactly. it all boils down to the same thing, right? We're yeah. all going to that, the ending of the project and the success of the project and what it looks like and everybody has their role. Even if it's the guy yeah. sweeping the floor, doesn't matter. The site looks clean at your image. You know, your clients walk in, wow, place looks great. That is a big, a big thing for, for Dan and I about our sites. Like this thing needs to be clean because, you know, exactly. as far as I, and everybody, and I don't know if every, if every contractor knows this, I think they do, but when you leave, at four, when you leave do. at four thirty, 
you know the owner's going to come and see what's done. Of course they will. Of course. And they're going to be there on the weekend, either you know, showing their buddies, hey, look what, what's what's going on with our house and everything. Else. Have the site clean. That is, that is, that is huge, right? That, that's the thing that might do better than everyone else. I think there's so many contractors out there that don't see that and don't do that. Like, And I think that, you know, there's those little things that might do that top 1% in the, in the construction world, you know what I mean, and, and the, as a contractor. Is making sure that your guys are cleaning up the job site, making sure that I've walked on the job site where it's just been timmy cups everywhere, like there's garbage everywhere. And you're like, yes. how are you guys working like this? Like, you know, but what's the image? That, I don't know. But, What's the image that you're giving your client though by doing that? So if you, they walk in after hours and they see half open boxes of lunch or cans or coffee or all that kind of stuff, off cuts everywhere, what kind of image is that giving to your client? Sloppy work. Yeah. yeah. So you, they start questioning. Well, what's the workmanship like? Yeah. At that point. Yeah. So I mean, I I, I want to kind of veer off because I know there's a lot of, that we want to talk about, guys, and, and I I, I want to get into your path and how you guys started, but. I'm like looking through the list here and two things that just jumped out at me and I got to bring it up right off the bat. You guys can talk about it right off right now, or I want to get into your Adrian and Byron's uh, construction story. Byron, like, okay. So Brian toilet seat, dick punch. You got to explain this. And guy that died on the lawn, the guy that died on the lawn. What is that all about, man? (laughs) So, the all right, so Brian is my so Adrian and I both have business partners in our in our company. So Brian is is my gym. It just happens to be inconvenient that we're both so similarly named. So Brian is, is in his sixties. He's been a finishing carpenter, ran his own mill workshop, and he's my partner in Brookrate. Uh, Byron, Byron how old are you? I'm forty. Okay. Oh, so you're just like Dan and I. Dan's forty five and I'm yeah, I'm sixty five. And then Adrian, you're closer yeah. to my age, right? So you're forty eight? Uh, 46. 40, so, I'm sorry. Old. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to add two years to you, man. Oh, 46. you're not an old bastard yet. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian's great. He's, uh, I don't want to say he's old. He's old school with an open mind. So like I say, very, very similar to you, Jake. But there are a few things that Brian is passionate about. And one of them is site cleanliness. Yeah. And somebody left the port john on site in a condition that was just embarrassing. Oh. So Brian went around Brian went around the site to every single trade. He he did not get, he gets passionate, but he doesn't get angry and like the screaming, yelling kind of way. Yeah. But he went around to everybody on the site and it's like it threatened to punch them in the dick if they let you. <laughs> I don't know who it was, but I will punch you in the dick if I find out that was you. <laughs> How do you respond to that? Here's the uh, yeah, here's I, the I statement. Like you're just yes. Sir, that sounds reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm going to try that. Oh, man. <laughs> Tomorrow morning, dick punches. All right. No, no. Yeah. Okay, so, so that- we, have a few, we have a few absolutely non-PC practices at Brookrate. We, we do bum-touching Thursdays. <laughs> <laughs> which, which not everybody likes, but it's part of the program. <laughs> That's too that funny. Hilarious. So, so yeah, no, Brian. Brian's great. So you guys, if we ever connect for an event, Brian, I gotta. I would love to sit down and listen to. Oh, one day. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure one day Jim and I will meet him, man. Yeah, yeah we gotta meet him. <laughs> okay, so so why don't you guys take us down your path, man? How you guys got all started? What was the influence here? Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll start a little bit of my background as well. 
um, coming in here. So obviously, originally from the UK, plasterer by trade, came to Canada about 12 years ago, had my own business in the UK, and sort of floated around here in Calgary just doing a bunch of different jobs that I didn't really like, including drywall, which absolutely sucks over here. <laughs> um, Be careful of the guys that do it because we need them. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Coming from a background of plaster where you have no dust at all, you know, and you plaster a wall and uh, everything's clean and you walk out and the painting's been getting the following day to uh, seven-day process of drywall here is, is a massive change. But, yeah, so sort of floated around and met my business partner, Adam, for another guy that we knew. I actually started working for Acti Upkeep. That's where that will lead in, which is a maintenance-based company. But always done renovations. So about three years ago, we rebranded and split um, Unique Projects from Upkeep Group. Unique Projects is now our, our um, renovation, which I sort of mainly look, look at and, and look at run on. And then through mutual friends, I guess, I got to meet Byron at a networking event. We just got chatting, and the passion was the same there about, like, how can we all work together? How can we collaborate together? You know, how can we just work beside each other rather than working against each other? Like I said before in the previous uh, chat we had there, it's just like there's more than enough work here in Calgary for everyone. And, you know, Byron's in that high-end home building, and we're definitely the high-end, you know, renovation area. Similar areas, but different. And then Byron has, has um, I'll let him tell the story about, you know, the building Bruce brewery story behind that but you know basically you know we looked at the breweries and they they were working together here at Calgary although they were beside each other and although the breweries were, were there to you know competitors they were very much you know helping each other out and we said well why can't we do that for the construction industry you know why can't me and Byron sit together why can't me and contractor X sit together and, and chat about our processes and stuff so that's, that's really how, you know, Bills and Bruce got going and got started, with, you know, through those those chats. How long ago was that, guys? Um, probably, probably two years, two or three years. Okay. So I, I, guess, I guess, yeah, we skipped over that. Adrian and I, on the face of it, are, are competitive. Like, we, we have bid on the same jobs against each other. <laughs> Which we don't really do bidding, but it was funny to find out, like, oh, you're talking to her? Yeah. Are you talking to her? Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, like, it's nice to have it out in the open, right? And and accepting that there's not work to go around. So maybe I'll go back. And, Amanda, are, are you are you asking us to kind of dig into Builders and Brews and how we started that? No, I, I'm curious about that, but I also totally forgot that this is just an unorthodox podcast going on. We totally forgot that our guest forgot to sing our uh, song, an intro song or something. Oh, right. <laughs> right. You guys thought they got away with it. You guys thought you got away with that. I started thinking, wait a minute, this is such an interesting conversation, but we kind of just glazed right over the song part. Yeah, I don't think we should let them off, man. Everybody else has. Were you guys prepared to sing something, or were you guys hoping that we would forget us two old guys here? <laughs> yeah, so we were hoping the two old guys would forget. We, 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 we did panic when we arrived at the office this morning and thought, shit, they might ask us to sing a song. So <laughs> well, what was funny, we were, doing some, we were doing some audio testing, so we called Adam, Adrian's partner, and he freaked out. He didn't answer. And then he thought we were calling him because we were going to make him sing the song. So <laughs> <laughs> I think we should do that. Yeah. He, he said he'd hang up, though, but it would be, 
funny. Uh, <laughs> we'll get you guys to sing at the end. That's what we'll get. So you guys have some time to just figure out what you're going to do. But everybody does it. Jim did it. I did it. Yeah, everybody does it. it. It's painless. <laughs> you know what's funny, though? I mean, listening, listening to you, you know, saying that you're competitors and stuff. And I guess you guys have heard, like, Will Gunnell has been on our yeah. has been on our, our podcast and yeah. that. and. We we went just a couple of weeks ago. We went and looked at this job, and and we sat. Dan and I sat down with the client or potential client, and um, you know they wanted to do this, this, and this. They had a you know three thousand square foot plus uh, renovation they wanted to do. Plus it was adding on some stuff, and so I don't know what numbers you guys are carrying, but we always just kind of throw out you know four hundred dollars a foot. So after we listened to what they want and everything else, and and I said, hey, has anybody ever talked to you? about a budget and they go oh yeah and i said oh i said do you mind sharing your budget what you know what you what you think this is going to be and she goes well you know if we figure we can do this for 500 to six hundred thousand, <laughs> and i go excuse me <laughs> and uh and of course dan, dan goes well look at he goes um i was gonna say about 1.3 1. 1. 1.4 you should yeah. have seen the look like she was in tears. And, yeah. and I, and I said, look, I said, you know what, not to, I, I said, I just need to understand like number one, what, how did you, how did you get this far without knowing how much things are going to cost? <laughs> I said, I think this is up to the architect to tell you. She goes, yeah, well, he said it'd be like seven fifty. I go seven fifty. I said, we just did the house four doors down from you. With the same architect, it was $2 million. <laughs> So where I'm going with this, I you know I usually ask. I said, "Who are we up against?" And some will ask, some will say, some won't. And they said, "Oh, you know this guy." And then you know, do you know there's a guy that lives around here named Will Gunnell? And I go, "Oh yeah, I know Will." So I phone Will up. And I said, "Will," I said, "Am I nuts?" Or when you, as I said, I know you've already seen this person. Where was your number? He goes, "Oh, Jim, like they have no clue." He goes, I was well over a million all day, and I had to talk her off the ledge. I go, us too. He was a little further into it. He already had them at their house and at his house to show them what they could do and everything else. So I you know, I spoke to him last week. I said, look, I said, we're backing off. I said, because there's no way we can even do it. And I said, you know, I don't know. I don't know where you're with it, but I think you're a lot further ahead than we are. But, you know, just so I guess this long story that I just came up with was was really to go and say this whole idea of us all conversing about different jobs yes we are competitors but it's isn't it great that you can just phone up Adrian and you know Byron phones up you and say hey man you know yeah. where are you at with this like like I, I think that's great and I've and I have that uh, relationship with a lot of other contractors that that we're not afraid to phone each other and talk exactly. about, that's and the talk about thing. it, right? And um, that's, and that's no one you got someone else going through it, doing the same thing as you are. Like they're having the same issues, they're having the same problems. You're not alone, like, right? And it's you know, and I guess you know, if we're all on the same page and we all think the numbers are going to be coming to where they are, I think that's you know, number one, that that answers the question for me. That okay, I'm not out to lunch. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the same with everybody else. And then it actually puts us all in the same 
on the same plane. But it, right? it furthers the construction industry too. Sure, it does. Because I mean, everybody, as far as I know, is a lone wolf in the beginning. Yeah, I, there's probably a small percentage, single digit percentage, that are partnerships in the very beginning, and they just jump right into construction. But for the most part, we're all lone wolves. But the thing is, you have nobody else really to compare your your apples and oranges to yeah. and what your numbers are right so yeah. why not be able to contact somebody and go this is where i'm at what do you think am i like way out to lunch here or do you yeah. think i'm in line and then if you have a competing friend that you can speak to all the better so it's great that you guys are doing that out west it's happening here as well and we i mean you still get that little percentage of contractors that want to keep their cards close to their chest and not yeah, i mean share. you don't have to give up everything but no. at least you know at least you kind of know that okay i'm not out to lunch right how, how is the vibe yeah. out there guys for collaborating like i mean how is oh. it you, is it good it's, it's growing and it's and it's through kind of what we were talking about before where there's kind of a younger crop of uh of trades and the builders coming in that are looking for new ideas and looking to share and are recognizing the power of social media. And, and I don't, I don't want to skip over. I think that was an important point for everybody there. Like you said, Jim, that even with the, the breadth of your experience, you still doubt your own pricing and need that, right. need that validation. Like it's crazy how that happens to so many people. And I think that's great that you can reach out. And yeah, we know Will as well. He actually joined us for our build a degree. Oh, yeah, that's right. That Oh, great. Last night. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a good guy. I've called him. I had one time, uh, Will, I like how calm Will is. So I had uh, these masons. We had, they had done a $330,000 contract for us. They, we had left out a few bricks uh, for the patient joined in. Anyway, they did not get awarded the contract for our next job. So they were really pissy and they came to fill in those last three bricks and then sent us an $800 extra for about an hour and 15 minutes of work Wow! on a $300,000 contract. Anyway, so I was super annoyed that I had to call, I had to call Will. He talked me off to take extreme action. <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta have a chat with Will because you know what? You're right. He's way too calm for so construction, calm. man. Like yeah. what is going yeah. on there? What is he doing that we're not doing? Well, you guys that? know Will's background, right? Yeah. 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 So no, he is, he is, like, he is the calmest dude for yeah. sure. Level headed. So yeah. He's got some real lessons, but yes. Um, I don't know where I was, where I was going from there, but I think that's an important point that I should hear that even though, even you Jim, that was the price that you need to get that concern. But also, well, yeah, I mean, you're all, I mean, we're all learning, right? We're still, I mean, you'll, you learn until the day you die. So. You know, it's, 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 a, that's the last new, lesson. Like this whole, right? <laughs> I mean, this whole social media is yeah. a whole new game to me. And I'm curious, Jim, did you go back to the architect at that point and be like, hey guys, what happened here? Like, let's work together to educate these clients. Well, okay. So, so this yeah, is, I was, was going to ask you, like, whatever happened to that job? Like, what? Don't know. I don't know if Will got it. I, is it on hold or is it? Could be. Could be. With lumber prices going through the roof she's now. She's adamant that she wants to do it for half a million dollars. At what scale? Like, full scale? Yep. Or like yeah. we're talking about like one, I said, 118 you know, I said, look, the only way you're going to be able to do this for half a million dollars is you can't do the third floor. You can't do the addition. And I don't think you're really going to be able to, to gut the whole two floors that you have. Just tell her that Barbie will love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know what? I mean, it, 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 you know, it's, I mean, I'm still learning like this whole social media game, like, and, and this is where, you know, you guys and the younger guys are, you know, so savvy at it that 
I think it's part, it has to be part of your, your marketing strategy now. But also, I mean, you know, Manny and I were talking earlier, we were answering some questions on a, on another podcast that I think, you know, the younger guys have to learn from guys, you know, like myself and, and, and probably you guys, I think you're at the age too, where you pick up the phone and you talk to somebody. Yeah. And, yeah. and you, you converse and you, you know, you sit across from you, you know, you're not texting back and forth. You're not emailing. I think, you know, you, you have to pick up the phone. You have to be able to hear the tone in your voice because let's face exactly. it, you, you don't know what that tone is in the email or, or you think it has well, tone. Some people think they do. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's some, you know, it will look like, Oh, God, that's a shitty email when really it isn't. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, I think right? That's a lost art now. Pardon me. You know, picking up. I think that's a lost art, like picking a phone up. Oh, for sure, it is, right? For yeah. sure. I, I was going to ask you guys, like, how profitable is social media to you guys? I know that in in the East here in Toronto, social media is a big thing, but I think that social media has been skewing way too much to celebrityism and not to profit. And you know, I mean, I want to know: is it the same thing out west there? Uh, I don't know where they. I don't know if there's so much of a celebrity thing going on here. I don't, I don't really get that vibe for it. Like, I, I get the sense us. that it's not. I get the sense that you guys yeah. are actually using it as another tool to attract clients, yeah. to attract trades. And I've always told trades oh, that yeah. whenever we do shout-outs on the show or I do a shout-out on a post of mine on a current job and I'm, I'm tagging somebody, they literally get a phone call from a potential client. Like it's, it's yeah. very profitable for my sub trades. It's great. And me, I, I benefit from the knowledge that I'm sharing. I still have gotten contacts and work and I move forward with clients because they've seen what I've done on social media and they appreciate that. So I, but I get the sense that there is a line driven between the two sides of this country where you guys are more on the focus of the business with social. And here we're more of on the focus of our fame and social instead yeah. of the business. I would think that's the same. We, we, we use, uh, Instagram is our main thing, but we, you know, we use that a lot. Like that drives a lot of work our way, and you know, get and and, and contacts for designers and architects. We use that a lot for for that type type of thing. Like I've met a lot of designers through Instagram, architects through Instagram, you know, new trades through Instagram. But like they reach out, they your work looks great. Let's sit down and chat. You know, just start the conversation. That's a conversation starter, I would say. Yeah, I, see, I see, I, I see it different for us. Like, I don't, we don't, like Caracol, we don't. I don't think I don't know if we got any work from Instagram. I don't. In all fairness, Jim, I think that if you guys were to post more, right, it's it's feeding the yeah. machine. That's the thing right. about it. It's feeding right. the machine. Yeah. But I also find lately there's been a lot of clients that don't want their homes shared the right. way that a lot of contractors are sharing it. Right. And, and yeah. I, I do have conversations. See, I, I ask, you always have to ask. It's I actually ask, in yeah. my contracts. I actually mentioned yeah, it. Are, you, are, are yeah. you fine with me photographing it? Obviously yeah. I will not reveal your address or your names right. or family members and anything like that, but I still want to document the construction process of it. And hopefully I get the opportunity to photograph the house at the end, at the end yeah, and, and just go, this is this website. project. I always nicknamed the project instead of having the actual street i know that on the show jim when you were doing the show it was great to see the google maps and it go down you'd have the address yeah. uh, you guys were giving that up which is great but i think today every client is a little well, more... they were wrong addresses 
Oh, you guys made them up. Oh yeah. Oh, I always wondered oh, no. about yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, no. They were I was like thinking, right how address. are they giving up the address? Yeah, yeah. We just made up names. <laughs> oh wow. You know what I would have did? I would have did like government office addresses, right? Yeah. And yeah, then just yeah. did, you know go to that or or like yeah. a exhibition place or something like that or yeah. Skydome. So yeah, you know that's funny. That's interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I think that I've always said to all the trades, I just just use social media for what you want to use and don't abuse it or don't get manipulated yeah. by it. That's yeah. all. You know, I I mean maybe we've had. We, I mean we've been around a lot time so we have that working for us but lately we have got a couple of our builds from the mother's group in the area interesting like a mom's group yeah you know they said oh, I had a, you know jim i had a i had an email the other day and i asked them like up on a uh, renovation referral and i asked like so how did you get a hold of us He's like oh you you were on the calgary mom physician group on facebook yeah so it's a group of doctors who are also moms and i was like whoa i didn't know that i didn't know that was a thing like, oh yeah no I, you know what i mean trust me that thing works man <laughs> that works yeah. we got like three three projects out of that like good like you know two million dollar projects out of these i've always said that there are always people watching so just be careful yeah, yeah. what you do, how you do it. Yeah. And I know it's really easy to be driving in traffic, especially in Toronto, and someone cuts you off and you want to just honk the horn and flip the bird and do the whole song and dance. And I'm like, just Can't. always, someone's watching. Someone's yeah. watching. Especially yeah. if you got a name on your truck. Yeah, exactly. Right? right. So, I mean, you always want to be nice and you never know what impression you're going to leave with somebody. And that might actually in the future get you a job. I mean, I, 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 mean, I agree with that. Seems to be like that Instagram, the thing that's social media, the thing it needs to be fed every single day. Like that's the hard yeah. thing about that. Yeah. If yeah. it comes, it becomes another job within your business. Like it's a job role for someone. Try try doing a weekly podcast, guys. <laughs> and answering all the Manny, questions. We we look at you, Manny, and are like, how is he doing that? How are you finding time to be on school? Do a podcast. Do Manny Mondays. Keep the thing going. Like, I know. The, the hair's getting thinner, the hair's getting grayer, and I'm getting older, and I'm getting tired, man. <laughs> I mean, it's a beautiful day out. Here we are doing a podcast, and I just watched a guy go by in a motorcycle. Why oh. Why are we not doing that? <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys ride? You guys ride, no? I, I just put summer tires on my on my fun car, so I don't ride a bike. What's your fun car, I, man? My fun car is a four-man Porsche. I have a Subaru CRZ. That I bought last oh, week. Yeah, but that Why, that man. that boots, man. That car boots. So that's that's a good yeah. car, man. <laughs> uh, guys, we'll, I want to shift we'll gears here. I, I want to I want to shift gears here. I want to talk about salary, man. I I don't think a lot of owners and us we realize that we should be making more or how much we should pay ourselves. And I think a lot of guys, younger guys, are starting out. They're always trying to figure out. Do they catch up and just, you know, whatever's left over, that's what I get paid. I know that owner's salary is a big thing. So can you guys talk about that? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is, this is super important for everybody, I think. How do we want to address this? Jim, when you mentioned the other day. With that, <laughs> yeah, put Jim on the spot. <laughs> yeah. So, and and back, to like, back to all the work you guys are doing, it is very appreciated. And I just want to say thanks from no me problem. and from the industry. Um, but when you Jim, when you shared, you're like, I paid myself 250k, and it, and it made it work. That struck a nerve with me because I think more people need to hear that. Uh, me, me and my wife joke. She's not involved with the business, by the way. She, well, she's our she's our tele liaison. Because none of us like being on hold to tell us. 
But, uh, <laughs> anyway, she says she says that Brooklyn is like a farm where like all our money has to keep going back into like buy new land or buy a tractor or buy a whatever because I have a farming background as well. But anyway, so I, as the owner of Brookright, and I, we did seven million dollars of construction last year. I paid my total salary at one thirty. Took another sixty in dividends, right? Which is good, but I think we can do a bit better. But I don't think anybody ever talks about that, right? Like I think people probably see me show up on site and look at the five or six million dollar house that we're building and think, "Oh, I bet he's loaded." And it's like, well, that's not really. True. No, it all goes back into success through other through my team. Basically. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's yeah. When I when is it I, investing? I, is it I, investing at that point where you keep on putting it back into the business? You and do. It, and at what point do you stop? Like investing? sometimes you're putting it in, and you don't actually know you're putting it back. Oh, in. Oh, I know. Right? That's why. I know. And, so uh, how how did you get to that decision, Jim? And that number? Like, what kind of volume were you doing at that point? Is there any relationship between the salary you're taking as an owner and the volume of work you're doing. Yeah, I'm like, you know what? I'm actually taking less now, now that I have, you know, now that we have a partner because now we're, you know, now we have, we have an office, we have, you know, admin staff, we have a, you know, an executive, what do you call it? Assistant. And then just, you know, the overhead is, is the killer. And, and this is, and this is the part I struggle with too is, yeah, you know what? We got a great office. You know, we're sitting, you know, May and I are sitting in our boardroom right now. It's, I mean, the place looks great. But somebody's got to pay for this, right? So, yeah. and it's coming out of somebody's <laughs> paycheck and it's not the guys that are working with us. It's it's no. us. And so, I mean, when I was on my own and, you know, I was taking my, you know, $20,000 a month, I was doing probably three, four, four million a year. At that point, working what six days? Oh yeah, no, I mean seven days. Yeah, no, I mean I always try to keep a Sunday off, but Saturdays, you know, I'd always go and do something, not for the whole day though. But you know, my day didn't end until probably eight o'clock on an average eight o'clock every night. But you know what? So, but what made me do that is is okay. If I want, you know, if I want to build a house for myself, I got to be able to look good for the bank. And this is and this is the only reason I started, you know, really looking at doing this. I need X amount of dollars with a T four to get this amount of money to borrow to build. So I just made it work, and and you know, I mean, I had the money coming in, but it's 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 just how you, it's once you know you set yourself up, then you're taking your either monthly wage or your wage biweekly, whatever it is, it just becomes what do you call it? A habit. And, and you know, it's there. And you, and if you have a line of credit or an overdraft, yeah, you know what, the odd time you may go into it while you're taking it, but you know, the money's coming in. So that's why I say you, it's, you just have to keep, stay on that constant. And then once, you know, once you get going now, obviously you got to have the work coming in to justify it, but just stick with it. I mean, I mean, it sounds like, you know, if you're doing a buck 30, so you're you're taking what, ten thousand a month, roughly, right? Yeah, somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. I don't even I don't I don't see it. My wife sees it. But right, right, it. right. <laughs> and then you and then you took another sixty in dividends or you know whatever you want to call it. So why couldn't you just bump that all up? 
and start taking 15,000 a month or 16,000 a month. What's the difference this way? Then, then yeah, similar, similar thing with the overhead and, and, and the partner. Right. Uh, and balancing, balancing so you kind of wait to the end and see if there's any profit at the end, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But if you already know, you you know, you know, you can forecast, you can see that. And again, I mean, I'm not a tax person. We'll have that guy on soon. Eventually. And um, so I don't know if it's, if it's better to do it the way you're doing, or if you know, you're going to have 60 at the end, 50, 60,000 at the end that you're just going to pay yourself. Why not put it Why not just draw it each month? That you know it's coming. Take out the extra five grand a month. And you hit that. You hit you that hit goal, that, right? You, that's yeah. the project. And you stay online. You know, and, you yeah. know, then you'll see, well, what's left at the end. I mean, that's how I, yeah, I mean, I I, whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. But that's, you know, how I, why I started that is because I wanted to look good for the bank. And I needed yeah. a T4 to do that. I can't show up to my account with a shoebox full of receipts and say, here, Make me look good for the bank, right? I mean, that's what we all did. We started off that way. Yeah. Everyone's still doing yeah. that, right? Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, my accountant said, Jim, the only way you're ever going to look good is you have to pay the piper and you have to, he always called me, he said, you have to become an outstanding citizen. What does that mean? He goes, well, you have to pay taxes. I go, oh, okay. You know, I didn't really want to be an outstanding citizen, but I had to pay to get there, right? And you know what? Ever since I did, it was the best thing I ever did. If you're paying taxes, you're making money, man. Yeah. So, you know, look yeah. at it that way instead of looking at it yeah. the other way, right? I, I, I never I never begrudged. Well, I mean, sorry, that's not true. I begrudged the taxes, but yeah. um, what, a couple of years ago when my son was born, he, he showed up early for work. And uh, that required a little more time in the hospital. And I've never regretted paying taxes. Right. Since the day we got <laughs> home. So I'm like, but you know what? To live here in Canada, just take it. Uh, I'm, yeah. happy to, I'm happy to pay it. I'm happy to have that worry removed. Yeah. So, but I, 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 more, I, I think it's worth talking about because I don't think it's, it's, it's a taboo in our industry, right? Yeah. And we, we work for people. I remember a story. We were doing a renovation. Uh, for for really nice couple, and there it was a six hundred thousand dollar renovation, full interior gut. We were dropping the basement, uh, underpinning the foundation, an extensive job. And then I I was had a ten thousand or fifteen thousand dollar extra that I had just missed. So like I had made a mistake, and I was like stressing out hard about how we were going to present this this um, skill, basically. And so I was like losing sleep over it. Then I, I was on the computer a few days later and was reading about my client. And she was a doctor, actually, probably the one who referred me for that, that, for that mother's group. But she was trying to get recruited to do some surgery job in some other city. And they, her, her annual salary was like the value of that whole $600,000 project. Right. And I was just like, God, why am I worried about $10,000? Like, I need to get some perspective. Right. Um, and it's true. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, I had one of my clients, we just finished doing uh, doing his job for him and, and he was having a tough time keeping up with the payments, but I wasn't worried. I felt good about him that, you know, if he needed an extra month or something to, to, to do it, I mean, I was fine. And I knew he was, he was uh, also arranging, like he had a construction loan, which was shit. And then he was going to get, he was... Can you, can you tell me more about that, Jim? What, is, what, is, what does that mean? Uh, with the construction loan? 
Well, I mean, what like, they how what? Is it, how is it shit? It's the banks. It's the bank. The way the banks set yeah, these things so, up, it's not in favor yeah. of us. No. So he, you know, he said, "Okay, Jim, can you show me the the milestones where we're going to need the money?" Yeah. I said, "Okay, great." I said, "You know, first round here, we'll need three hundred thousand." He goes, "Okay." They already said, "Give me that." Okay. And I said, "You do understand that you're not going to give you that." He goes, "Well, what do you mean?" I said, "I bet you, out of that three hundred we might see two. He goes, no way. I go, yep. I said, because your first one, all their fees are going to come out and then they're going to hold the back 10%. We are already going to be behind by at least 100,000. You know when it came in at? 175. <laughs> so that's why I hate construction loans because yeah. they come in, they look at the house, they, they tell you what they think it's worth. And then they take the fee off and the 10% off. And so you ne you're never ahead. You're never at par. You're always behind. So the homeowner has to find yeah. supplementary. And right. Funds. So you have, to, you have to kind of suck it up and hope to hell when you get to the end, when he remortgages that, you know, you're going to get your dough. I like, I mean, the first thing I do when I, you know, I mean, I know we're kind of off, off topic here, but, you know, you know, if, if the client's going to have to borrow the money, I'll say, just get a line of credit. Yeah. This way you can just write a check. No, no fees, nothing. Just give us what we need. Going back to, you know, to knowing what people make and everything else, you know, this client, I knew he had to get a mortgage. I got him the mortgage broker. They gave him, they gave him the money. But during that time, he goes, Jim, I'm not worried about getting getting the $2.7 million mortgage that I need. <laughs> right? And I said, you're not? And he goes, no. He goes, you know, last year I, you know, my, I made 750,000. So, you know, I'll be, you know, hopefully, you know, I don't know how COVID's going to work this year, but you know, I'm sure I'll make that. And I don't know if there's a bonus. I go, holy fuck. Seriously. <laughs> like I'm worried. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, so now the other advantage I had is he lived next door. So <laughs> <laughs> saw him every day. Yeah. So you know what? Go back to what you're talking about. I mean, look at most of our clients are making a hell of a lot more than we are. <laughs> so <laughs> don't feel bad, you know, to to go and ask for it. And I, and I, you know what? I was exactly like you, and still to this day, if there's a big, you know, an extra or anything else that we have to go and ask, I. I lose sleep until it's done. I, think, I don't, I and I don't know why, but it, it's yeah. just a thing with me. It's just, it's either, you know, I go back and I go, why did I, did I miss that? You know, then you struggle with yourself, just like, you know, like you were doing. And then, but if they ask for it, well, why am I struggling with it? It's something, it was an ask and we gave it to them. This is what it cost. And I, you know, and I also, and I also look at that at the end of the day, you just built them a house. Their house just went up huge in equity. Why can't they pay you? And why do we feel bad going and asking for it? I don't know. It's just an yeah, industry. It's, yeah. just a, it's a thing, yeah. right? It's just, you know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. We have integrity and we're honest. Yeah. And it bothers us. Yeah. So you know what, Byron, that's a good thing. It just, you know what, it shows who, it shows who you guys are. If that bothers you, it tells me 
And it should, you know, not the client would ever know, but I think it, it just, you know, it, it tells what kind of person you are, man. So hats off to you for that. I think one of the things that we learn uh, pretty quickly is that, you know, when you're, when you're estimating for clients and you're, and you're right, Jim, it's just like, you know, that client has the money, they're asking for all these things and, and we're working through this quote and we're trying to figure out this quote for them. And one of the things we struggle with is like, well, that's too expensive for me, but that's not too expensive for the client. They are the ones that are asking for it. So that's almost like we were trying to save them money as if that was us spending their money, which it should be that way. Like you should be looking out for your client. But I think there's a you have to get over that hump of like, you know, they have a million dollars, but I'm still trying to save the money as a contractor. So I'm looking at it and going, oh, they're asking, there's going to be 50000 for that tile. I wonder if I could do it cheaper for it. I'm going through that right now, Adrian. Like it's hilarious yeah. that we are having this chat now, and and you're 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 right on with here. You know, well maybe we can't afford it, so why am I going to try to help them save some money? I mean, we have a yeah. client. We have a client that signed with us. You know, back in November of nineteen, they finally just got, and they didn't have an app. They didn't even have an architect at the time. So she said, Jim, what's it going to cost? to build a house, maybe, you know, four to 5,000 square feet. I said, off the top of my head, about 2 million bucks. She goes, okay, great. Well, they go and design a house at 7,000 square feet. Then they come back and, I, <laughs> and, I, and I, then I yeah. give them the price. It's, you know, 2.8. Oh, Jim, what happened to 2 million? I go, well, number one, it was a year and a half ago. And you do remember when you sat in my house, which was only, you know, 3,800 square feet. And you asked me how much it was. I told you. Well, kind of almost double that. So that's what you're looking at. I'm giving you a deal now. I'm giving, yeah, right? <laughs> and, um, and you know, it's funny what Adrian was just saying that I'm having these conversations with them right now. You know, okay, Jim, you know, we're, we started the job. We, we just got the shoring in, so we're just going to really start digging. And I said, okay, guys, you've signed off on the windows. That's $200,000. And I said, so... Now, moving forward, I'm going to try to keep you in check. Oh, well, we need you to keep us in check, Jim. But it's still sitting at 2.8, and they're not flinching. She sat here one day, God love her. She pulled out her little book, and she goes, okay, Jim, so it's, you know, we're sitting at 2.7, 2.8. But then I have landscaping, right? I go, <laughs> yep. Well, I think that will be about 300000 I go, well, good. At least you're realistic. And I said, "Don't forget the pool you want." She goes, "Oh yeah." She goes, "Oh." And then you know, then there's this, then there's this. they're up to four million bucks. And and here I'm, I got I when you said that, Adrian. I started thinking about, oh my God, I'm doing the same thing. I'm here. I'm trying to save the money, but they're not yeah. trying to save it for themselves, right? Exactly. <laughs> Isn't it a double-edged sword when they start seeing? the reason why they hired you because the workmanship is amazing. And as you get closer to the finishing, yeah. they keep on escalating that. And it's not that you're doing it on purpose. No. They hired you for a reason, the quality that you can deliver from other past projects, but then they keep on asking you for more interesting quality, yeah. better stuff. And then the numbers just keep on going up, but you're trying to help them. Yeah. But they're kind of not helping each other. No. And, and I, you know, and I said to them, I said, look, I said, I've given you allowances for, know your tile your hardwood and stuff like that i go i think they're good allowances 
but you have a designer coming into play, I don't know if those allowances are going to be enough. Well, Jim, that's your job to, you know, to keep them, keep them and make them work with that allowance. I go, oh, no, 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 that's not my job. That's your job. I mean, I, you know, I can only hand them and I've sent everything to the designer. I've sent, they, they get a full shot of, uh, of our budget for everything and she's got it. And whether they use it or not, you know, probably just throw it away, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you guys know that we work with designers. They have, they have their, you know, the way they work and, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to lose, they don't want to lose that design at all costs. We have to get that design. Of course not. I gotta, I know that money's always a big thing here, guys. I gotta ask you guys, are we paying trades too much these days? Are we paying them too little? What do you guys think? (laughs) That's a loaded one, bro. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, are they worth the rates that they're asking for? The right trades, absolutely. Yeah, are. a big a big part of what we try and do in our business, like one of our core values, is respect. And the traditional model is people are passing respect up the chain to owners and architects, but forgetting what everything below. So a win to us is where we set a sub trade up for success, put them in a position where they can do the best work they're capable of, and we're paid fairly for it. And I think now what we're seeing is that, um, like in Alberta and Calgary. We've been in a recession for three or four years, technically, before COVID. Yeah. That's weeded out a lot of that, or that's um, sorted out a lot of the chaff from the week. Yeah. Uh, so we have pretty good trades, and we both have a good network. And we see prices come in competitive, like a comparable. And and I I don't know. I wouldn't want to run a trade, but it would be hard, I feel like. Yeah, I, I think, like, the point there is just like, we, we don't mind paying a trade good money if they, you know, give a good service. Like, like anyone within our our industry, you know, like all we say to our trades is we've worked with them over the past, you know, X amount of years. We've built a good trade list up. So, you know, it's just like talk about your price. Like, we'll, we'll often go to them and say, like, we're expecting to come, your electrical package to come in at 40000 You know, it's coming in at 50000 Why is that? No, yeah. just have the conversation. But they're trying to go, why you're why are you ten thousand dollars more than you were, you know, six months ago? And right now during COVID times, a lot of it's due to well, I don't know if I can get hold of the material, I don't know yeah. this, I don't know that, which is fine. So as long as we explain that to our client and educate the client in that, I think it's fine. So I I think we basically just turn around to try to go, we want to work with you, we want you to consistently work on our jobs. Just don't fucking shaft it. Just don't, you know, just just be fair to us and we'll be fair to you. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, yeah, I agree 100%. And I and I think, you know, the trades that serve it, and, and I've always said that, you know, to, to our trades, and we've had, like I said before, most of them for a long time, just service us guys. Like, you know, if you're a little bit more, I don't, I, I don't have a problem with that. You know, but yeah. when I call you, you know, mistakes are made or, you know, shit happens, you know. I mean, you know, we have this one plumber who's great. You know, when you charge up the house and you put the plumbing, put all the water run through the pipes, and then, you know, not always, thank God, but, you know, there's the odd time that something leaks and it comes yeah. comes through and you see it on the drywall and you go, oh, shit. We call him, he drops everything and he comes. And he, exactly. And, and he takes care of it and he goes, Jim, what's the damages? I will pay for the drywall, I'll pay for this. And you know what? I never charge him for it because 
They just glad the they came back, man. Yeah. Like, you know what? You, you, we're all human. Shit happens. And, that's a big, and, that's a and big it's usually thing not even his fault. It's like somebody ran yeah. a screw through it or something, right? Yeah. That's the big thing for us is accountability. I would say that's one of our top mantras within our business is accountability. Like us as a, as a GC and a contractor, we have accountability, but so does every trade. Yeah. And I don't want... You know, I don't want a phone call from a trade moaning and groaning that this has gone wrong. Things go wrong. I'm not going to turn up the site, scream and shout, yell at you. Yeah. We're going to turn around and we're going to talk through the situation. What's happened here? Maybe it's your fault. Maybe it's our fault. But we're not trying to look for blame here. How do we fix this quickly? How do we let the client know that it's being handled well? You know, that, that to me is more than, you know, you know maybe... There is a better plumber out there, but I'd rather take a plumber who has more integrity and, you know, that side of things than, you know, the experience maybe. So, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you want them to stand, you know, just stand up, take ownership, take responsibility. Exactly. I mean, right off the bat, that just tells you, again, like, you know, yeah. if you're saying to Byron, they, that just tells you who the guy is. Like, you know, exactly. Yeah. He steps up, shit, and then you know. And for any young guys, any young guys out there trying to start up a new business, like, I would say that's the thing to do, but Stand behind your GC. Don't throw the contractor under the bus. Yeah. If you're a plumber, a tile guy, or anything, and and you've made a mistake, own the, own that mistake. Call the person that you need to, and and fix it, and and stand by it. You'll get more work through that contractor than if you just try and hide that job. Hundred percent. Like anytime somebody's yeah, anytime somebody's ever made a mistake and and they owned up to it, it just tells me who who the person is and you know what he, he gets the next job because i can week, count actually. on it right sorry yeah. adrian what was that i saw a story from this week like you know uh, i'll name him on here i know he's listening to this podcast but we have a plumber that we work for so icon plumbing and heating here in calgary and we're doing a commercial job right now and he had we had the the concrete scanned, everything was scanned, you know, all the, everything was marked out on the floor, and we were pouring middle of this week, uh, some pouring holes into the parquet for, for plumbing, and uh, they called straight to electrical cable that wasn't caught in the scan. Uh-oh. You know, but the first thing he done was he, he called me and said, this is what happened, and he said, like, I'm, I'm bricking it, I'm shitting myself here, I said, don't worry about it. Let's get down to the site, let's figure out what's going on here, and we'll just walk through the problem. And that's what you do. You just go there. And everybody has everyone's back. It's not the poor and guy's fault. It's not, you know, there's so many things involved in that process. Things get missed. Things happen. Yeah. This electrical cable was like eight inches down in the slab. Like, Are you guys seeing a small, like, I, I don't know if it's COVID related, but I'm seeing that a lot of trades are maybe misguiding their quotes for submitting it to the GC to me. And then all of a sudden they'll have a conversation with me about, I kind of missed this. Can you kind of absorb this 500 bucks, this thousand bucks? And it's worth a conversation. Totally. It is worth a conversation. But the thing is, I can't go back to the client as a GC and go, listen, the trade missed this. Yeah. So can you, yeah. so I, if I can't do that, then I can't pay you that. And And the truth is that, They'll get a little upset from it, but I'm I'm noticing that there's a little bit of nickel and diming with the rates and the scopes from in certain individuals, and I'm finding, and I don't want point fingers, as I always do point fingers, <laughs> but the, me- the mechanical guys. I find it from the mechanical guys, so HVAC and plumbing and electrical. There's some missing numbers somewhere, and I mean, are you guys seeing that, or is it just me? Oh, no, we, we, we see that for sure. 
Um, and one thing we've done to combat that, man, which is I think a good tip for everybody, we have started rolling out when we're getting substrates close or we're planning a job, we send an additional like birthright questionnaire. And on there it asks a few questions, but one of the main ones is, do you see any opportunities for cost savings on this project? And if so, what? And oh, the second I love question that, is, man. Do, it, the second question I think is even better is, is there anything not included in this scope that you would recommend and why? Oh, then like they have that. an opportunity to say, oh, oh, you wanted the Wi-Fi thermostat? Oh, that's 800 bucks. Yeah. Like, well, if you knew we needed it, why didn't you tell me before? Yeah. And then we also asked in there, uh, who, who will be performing the work on site? Like, I want to know, I want that person's number. I want to know who they are. We ask, what's your, what's your service plan? So, for example, like with our painters, we'll ask our painters to include an amount in their quote so that they can come back after one year and do a round of touch-ups. Right. Because we want to we deliver that to our clients for what appears to be free. Right. Because we can't give them a bill for that, and we don't want to soak it up to pay two or three grand the next year, but if you include it up front. And then it also covers things like that WCD and, um, and insurance information. So it captures all those things you need to know. But I'd like... The first two questions is engages them in thinking more deeply about the project. And the way they respond to that tells you a lot about how the rest of the relationship is going to go. That's a brilliant idea. I, like I mean, one of our, one of our, we, we have a couple of electricians, and one guy usually just gives a lump sum, says how many pot lights he'll put in. And he generally sticks to the, uh, stick to his price. Even if they throw a couple extra ones in, he never is never a charge for yeah, it. Yeah, one or two. I right. get it. But yeah. then there's, the other one who actually takes a lot of time and takes the drawings and maps out all the pot lights that he's putting in. So he's basically done a ref- reflected ceiling plan for you. A lighting design. A lighting design. And he's put yeah. it all in and he puts, you know, he has all his little different colored, you know, belt pens and uh, shows what he's doing on the outside where he's would put the sconces and everything else. Now he's generally 20% more worth it right <laughs> i'm and, sorry but uh, worth yeah. it but it, but it's but there it is it's in black and white this is what you're getting yeah. you know outside a few receptacles and stuff like that you know and but um there's your lighting plan i mean i mean you know a couple different you know different ways to come at it and we use both of them and they're and they're both good right we really like like you know like working with these guys collaboration is the is the thing that we're talking about here as well. It's like what we do is make sure everybody's around that table from day one. So that's meaning us, um, you know, designer, architect, and that from day one. So, so everybody's on the page from day one. That's a big thing that we preach. And then as soon as we start getting plans mapped through, is every trade should be at that table as quickly as possible as well. So they have the plans. And if the designer's asking for some lighting or something like that, and the electrician needs to look at that and say, well, actually, if you move the light this way or move the light that way or change the age back here, then this will give you a better output. Like, so, you know, we definitely preach on everybody at the table as soon as possible and, and to try and get away from those things you were saying, Manny. It's just like, well, his next $800, his next 1000 bucks. Right. Yeah. We turn around and say, well, you've had these plans in front of you from day one. Like, why we not told it, you know, right from the start. You can't come to us near the end of the project and try and charge us more money for these extras. So you have seen everything. So, yeah. you know, 
the formal is what we've worked us with a sign sheet, but you know, we have come back as such because like you've had these plans from day one. We haven't thrown them out yet the day the day you start your electrical roughing. Like you've had these for a number of months. So, so guys, let, let me let me ask you this. Um it's only been a, a you know a couple times where I mean we kind of preach that you know, sometimes we'll get a client in here before they've hired an architect or anything like that, right? And so we yeah. try we try to try to preach that hire the contractor first. And I know there's no you don't know the number. You know, we're gonna give out a square footage number. If you know you're gonna build four thousand square feet, you know, we're gonna tell you it's gonna be, you know, one six, one seven, somewhere in there. Because we and then we work out we work on a management fee anyway. Right. So they're gonna know what our percentage is right off the bat. You know, we always we we try to push that. Look, if you like what you hear and you you know you you know us and you wanna and you wanna work with us and you're fine with the fee, let us hire us now so we can you know do a you know hook you up with a couple architects and designers, basically a team, and present yeah. the team to you. I think it's far, you know, it's you know I think it's a far better way. For for the client to to get what they want, especially if you you know if you got the team in place, right? Now yeah. I know other people want it rather. Oh, I'd rather get the architect first, and I'd rather put it out to you know four or five different contractors and get different numbers. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. that's the old way of doing it, and I guess you know that's really the kind of standard way to doing it. But I'm finding more and more, you know, we've we're being asked at the beginning. Which is great, and um, I think it solves solves a lot of issues. You know, like we were just talking about. You know, lighting, this, dealing with the designer, yeah. dealing with the architect, and you know, especially if you've all worked together before, right? So I don't know. How, yeah, do you, so how are did, you guys finding it out there? Do you get yeah, the, get the drawings? We do something. We do something similar. So we find most most of our work for for us come through designers. We actually target designers, to be honest. Um, right. we, we, made a, we made a decision a few years back, maybe say two years back, that we would never work without a designer. If a client comes to us without a designer, we turn around and say, well, here's three designers, go and chat to them first and then come back to us. Right. So that, that's basically how we get our work, is, is through that. It's very rarely that we get a client that comes to us without a designer. We do go into, we've done it this past month or so, we do go into where we're doing multiple bids, if you like. So we know that there's more than one contractor that's been interviewed by that designer and it's fine. So but what we try and do is, right from the word go, is go, you are not picking us on cost. You are not picking us on a, a num- any numbers. We're interviewing you, you're interviewing us, interviewing the designer. If you want to work with us, unique projects, as a company, and then we start going down the road of doing some quotes. Right. What we do do in round one, we call it, is given very high level budget numbers. Once we have an idea of a design, we turn around and look at past projects and go, "Yeah, that kitchen's a hundred thousand. If we look on past projects, you know that main floor flooring is you know fifty thousand, and then we give them these big high budget numbers." And now the client turns around to go, yeah, you're the builder I want, and you seem to be in the ballpark of our budget. 
And then we can really go, okay, now we're going to take a step back. The designer's going to do her design, figure out what she wants to do, work with the architect, and come up with an actual design. And then we quote that. Because then you have, are they using walnut on the cabinet? Do they want MDF cabinets? Then you have all those actual numbers that you can actually give them a price. Then you can give them the budget number, give it the price, and then they're like, oh, we're still over budget. But now you can start working through the process of like, maybe take that scope of work out or move that scope of work, and then you can sort of start working through that, that scope of work. But if everybody's at the table from day one, as a team, as you said there, Jim, like us, the architect, the designer, the client, I think that as soon you start going down a road of like those goals that interest from the start rather than spending too many hours of time quoting something that they right. may never be able to afford to have. So, guys, why why are clients so off the mark? We're always trying to give Google. Them a, sorry, Google. Ugo. Google. Oh, Google. Uh, That's Ugo. what it is. Ugo. Ugo. <laughs> Google. Uh, I mean, we're we're always trying to give them best value for their dollar, but they're always asking us for so much more. And yeah. then the markups come, the the extras come, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. But like, where did they get their starting point from? Like 1970s? I don't understand where their numbers start. That's the thing about it. And, and everyone knows my opinion that it is a misrepresentation from TV, but also from online and yeah. other blogs and resources. I don't think that the clients are being given a fair shake at a fair assessment of what construction costs. And then we're the ones that are left holding the reply. We have to give them the truth. And then we're the bad person. Are you guys seeing that too? Oh, a hundred percent. And the problem is like that job you were describing before, Jim, where she thinks it's a $600,000 new bill. Somebody's going to tell her they can do it for eight. And they're, and she's going to, she might select that for that's, that's painful for us. So part of the way we're approaching that locally here, Randy, is partly through Builders and Brews. The story I tell in that realm, I think most of us started in construction because we were passionate about the craft of building things. Yes. And so the parallel that I draw there and our connection to the craft beer industry is that you can go to Costco and you can buy a 50-pack of Kokanee and the price per can is a dollar nine or something. But you won't hesitate to go to a tap room at your local craft brewery and pay $6, so it's like a 500% premium for the same volume of beer. But you're willing to do that because you're getting a better product, you're getting a connection to the person who produced it, you're getting a better experience being in that tap room. And I think there's a parallel there to where we fit in the construction industry. We're not the commodity side of the industry. We're the craft side and I think we should be paid and respected accordingly. So that's part of what we're doing, we're trying to educate both our colleagues in construction, but also our designers and hopefully clients um, by association. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, that's working with the designers, working with the architects. I mean, that's, you try to get that across, but I, I, I think it's lost somewhere, like you said, man. I think it's lost somewhere with our clients. I mean, we all get it as, you know, designers, architects, and there's so much information out there. Right. And, and then how much of it is correct? Yeah, I mean, yeah. this, this is another thing. And I like, like I said, Google, I had a client you know, say to me before, oh, well, you know, I found this on Google. 
you're not doing this right. I go, everything on Google is not <laughs> true. It's it's just a platform of information, whether it's We should start our own construction Wikipedia page or something, man. And finally, I had to say, Lynn, you know what? If, if Google's so great, tell them to start managing your job. I'm out. You know, so... The, the car will show up with cameras and everything, <laughs> yeah. and it won't. It will yeah. just photograph something that's not being done. That's like, what's going to happen. Like you know, but I think you know it. It it goes back to you know, and I'm not trying to piss anybody off in the designer world or the architectural world, but I think it's up to them to say, "Look, this is what I'm proposing. This is kind of where I think the price tag is going to go with it." And if they don't know, they should make the call to guys like us and say, "Hey." These guys are, you know, building 5,000 square feet. This is kind of what they want to do. Where do you think it will come in? I think that, but I think their, their incentives are misaligned, right? And, and it's no fault on architects or designers. If they present, like if they, that client, that, that example client you were talking about, if they told us yeah. in the beginning that it could be 1.3 or 1.4, she might just kill the whole project before it's even started. So I, right. I don't think that that's intentional. And I think everybody, like us included, and designers, and especially homeowners, everyone starts any project with an optimism fire. Right. Where where it's like you can feel it creeping in, where it's like, oh, I know that's going to be tight, but I think we can do it. I have to combat that in myself. And I think every entrepreneur is naturally has a higher optimism bias than, yeah. than your average fare. So I can feel that. I try and pay attention to that myself, where it's like, hey, Byron, are you doing that because that's realistic, or are you doing that because... You're just optimistic that something in the universe is going to shift and you're magically going to be able to do this 70% what you said before. It's approaching these things with conviction. And even those clients talk. One thing, Manny, that I that I think about a lot, do you remember uh, the movie Pulp Fiction? Yeah. yeah. I, just saw, I just saw it recently. Where they, they, ac- they accidentally shoot that guy in the head in the car and it makes a big mess? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I Marvin, Marvin, why did you shoot Marvin in the head? <laughs> yeah, I I want to get a builders and Bruce shirt made up that just says "Be Mr. Wolf" on it because there's, <laughs> there's a lesson. There's a lesson about conviction and preventing presenting yourself as a professional. Like when they're like, if he calls the boss, he's like, "Oh fuck, you're sending Mr. Wolf." Yeah, and then it's Mr. good. Wolf shows up. That's... Mr. Wolf shows up and he runs the show, but he's not being a dick about it. He's not yelling at anybody. He's just presenting it with conviction and with the confidence that he's the authority in that subject matter. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's something there, not that you need to walk into your client's house and demand a cup of coffee, but <laughs> there's something there about carrying yourself with that much of confidence that I think we miss quite frequently. It's true. You know what? You're, you're a hundred percent true, but it's sometimes it can backfire on you and that's, and that's the balance, right? And, but then it's uh, funny. It is, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, uh, you know, you brought up something uh, re- really resonating these days across the country, and I'm sure all over the world. From what I've gathered, and and Jim and I are going to do a show on it. Is um, what is your two by four going for right now out west there? Because I heard it's about nine dollars, almost ten dollars. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm pretty worried about that. But yeah, we're we're seeing the same we're seeing the same kind so, of. Trend. So we're also seeing it in the UK. I've spoken to guys in the UK, Australia. I've seen it in Sweden as well. So it's going France. France is brutal. So I'm hearing a $17 with the exchange rate over there. We're going to talk about it. But yeah, that it, this is insane. So it, it's like we're in Canada where our two by fours are in our backyard. 
And this is going to kill a lot of projects. Like clients are just going to pump the brakes and just halt everything. And how are you guys, because I don't know about you, but every single day, I'm pretty sure I'm having a conversation with either a tradesperson or a client or a potential client on where these, these prices are going. And it's not just lumber, it's metal, copper for electricians. Uh, It's all going up dramatically other than, you know, the typical three to 7% economical raise. Um, how are you guys handling that, man? When the clients come at you and say, you know, what's going on? Well, we do, we do cost plus projects and we revisit our budget every two weeks. So it gets updated and we just have to consistently communicate on our active projects and on our like, projects in the sales cycle. We just have to be realistic about what the market conditions are like right now. But no, I'm apprehensive just because I can't see, I can't see where that's where that goes to, and this is where I start to feel stupid as like a member of this economic system, but like who is making that money along the way? Like yeah. where? I, I understand supply and demand to a certain extent, but is this the time to be running a lumber mill? Because I'm not even feeling like that's the case. It's confusing where that extra well, are we, are we just goes. are we just giving it away? Like is it going south of the border? Yeah. Is it going, you know, across over to the across the big ocean? You know? Yeah, I don't um, know, but it's frustrating. But it is, it's, it's becoming like a self-inflicted recession because clients, I mean, if I was a client and I came and the contractor came back to me and told me my lumber package jumped threefold, I'm going to seriously yeah. consider not starting this project and see if yeah. it might level out. I mean, Jim, have you ever, I mean, if you go back to the seventies or eighties or nineties and we had certain recessions or even other times where things were booming early eighties, things were booming. Did you ever see like commodities like the lumber go up that high and then drop back down? I've never seen that before, like the way it is now. Yeah, they've gone. They haven't gone that high, but they've gone. You know, back in those days, I mean, things were cheaper, so it did go up. But it always, uh, you know, what just for you know example, if it went up twenty percent for a while, then it will drop down ten percent. So they still get their ten percent upside that they weren't going after True. anyway. But I've never seen it go this high. Four years ago, 17, yeah, 2017, when there was all the forest fires out west, we saw plywoods and everything go from 38 bucks a sheet to 68 bucks. So now we're topping, you said you saw one yesterday. For $84. $84 for a sheet yeah. three-quarter square inch, which is insane. So I just got, I was just telling Manny, I got a quote on a house uh, for the lumber package. And right on top of the quote, it says, good for two days. You see, we would keep them. We, I couldn't stop see, laughing, man. For three months, I couldn't. Yeah, they're gonna laughing. have like flip like gas stations. Yeah. 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 That, so. That's what. That's the my thing, man. Is like, will it come down again? Like, are will these companies and businesses be used to selling, you know, eight dollar three by fours? And then, you know, is it going to come back to where where it does? Like, that was just, that's the biggest thing for me. Is like, is this a continued trend, or is it? You know, will they come back down again? Okay, and so yeah, I, I think, you know, Adrian, I think it will come back down, but it will come back down to be more than what it was before the COVID. Oh, you yeah. know what? You're yeah. it's always gonna be a five or yeah. six dollar two by four. Just accept yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I think right yeah, now, yeah. you know, like I, I know for whatever reason, people talk to me, certain executives, they talk to me and they tell me not to share this stuff, but I still like sharing it. You know what I mean? So like I they're 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 making record profits. That's the oh, yeah. sad thing. They're making, like when you go to the big box stores or any lumber supply stores, there's stacks and stacks of wood there. So if the wood is there, it's been a year, the pandemic, the mills are still moving along. The the thing is that 
they got a taste. They got a taste of some serious coin. They're making some nice money and why not continue making some nice money? But my argument is that you're really are pushing the limits of the client still moving forward on projects. And when I get DM after DM of contractors reaching out to me going, I just lost another project. I'm blaming it to COVID because the client says we don't want to move forward now because of the prices. So I'm hearing it from the grass. It's going to throw us into a yeah, recession, right? It will. So it is a little scary. I mean, is it going to, the threat now is a $14 two by four is, is a reality. It could be a reality by the end of this year, which is like ludicrous. If you really think about it, yeah, um, you can't even go and use like OSB is crazy. Man. OSB is stupid that like you're paying for seven sixteenths. I think you're paying up to 50 bucks for a seven sixteen yeah. sheet of OSB. But it used to be 12 bucks. Yeah. Which is insane. Even I, I get protection board of eighth inch masonite. It's now ten dollars. It used to be six. So I mean, that's that's that. I know, guys. Like we've been talking, we could probably talk to you guys all day. But the thing is, I still want to touch upon a few other things. I feel like we have to do another show just to talk about builders and brews because there's a lot of stuff going on there. You guys got some some humor here. I mean, yelling on site, like. I, I don't think I've ever seen Jim yell on site at all, ever. <laughs> I stopped yelling a long time ago when it didn't really benefit me. Like, it, there was no reason at all to yell. So I'm just wondering, do you guys still get those trades that want to just be the, the pumping chest gorilla on the site and, and try to walk on all fours? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Who's yelling no. these days, so that, man? Yeah, that's for me. So like I said, I, I did uh, 10 years or so in commercial construction in Vancouver, and it was very much like, they were savages. Like, and it was awesome because I was in my 20s and it was just like, I don't know, I don't exactly know how to describe it, but I did have a couple of superintendents that were very much from the old school, like Navy SEAL type training where they're like screaming <laughs> in your face. Like, you fucking idiot. Concrete's coming at four o'clock. Why is this bulkhead in? And like, and so it was, it was not something I missed, but it was kind of like weirdly funny at the time and so it happened a couple of years ago there was a mix up with the payment we were supposed to pay the HVAC contract and he was supposed to pay this other guy and anyway this other guy came into our trailer and was like screaming at us and I was like oh I remember this and so I was just curious if that still happens on job sites because it, it didn't feel good uh, I haven't I haven't seen it in a long long time I, I like I don't know it's been a long long time since yeah. I've seen anybody yell I mean, there's the odd yeah. guy that will lose their shit. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's... At that point, it's entertaining. And I just want... I, I wish someone would show up with some popcorn so yeah. I could just watch yeah. this, yeah. right? That's, I mean, I, you, I mean if exactly I'm there, I usually just tell them to yeah. go home. We are the guys back in the day as well that used to... He used to literally smash a start radio every week. Really? Uh, <laughs> he would... He, uh, he would he would turn up the site and he'd be just getting angry and then all of a sudden he'd take out the radio that the wrong song was playing and he'd pick up and smash it across the room and then you're like, okay, I guess there's another radio on Monday morning. So, you know. Please <laughs> yeah, tell me it was a DeWalt radio. Yeah, million pieces. Oh, uh, they're irreplaceable. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think yeah, I've maybe lost it three times. mentality has definitely changed. Well, it's the dinosaur, the caveman. It's just yeah. like they think that work gets faster if you yeah. yell. It doesn't really get faster. Yeah. I think I lost no, it on, on the show once, and, and I think I threw my cell phone and smashed it against the wall. Was that when Charlie yeah. Brown was the teacher? The teacher, Charlie Brown's teacher was the client? Yeah. Oh, I got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was when a, it was, it was when a client didn't want to pay all the extras. 
Mm. That never happens. Yeah. <laughs> he told me he had, yeah, his, he had, he had his friends him. over on the weekend and they were having <laughs> beers and that, you know, it, we did a we did a shit job. I go, oh, yeah, really? Mm. So that, that phone call came while the cameras were on. That's nice. Yeah. So the, the, phone, the phone went across the room. You guys got to tell us about this guy who died on the lawn, man. What is this about? I, I honestly think I wrote that in there. I think somebody else talked about that on one of your podcasts. And I was just like curious, of, curious the about it. The guy died on um, the lawn. One, somebody had, I, I forget. Like I wrote this down a year and a half ago. So I knew you were going to ask me. I shouldn't have deleted it. <laughs> but I can share. Uh, I got I to gotta go back. There's been so many shows now. I'm trying to figure out who died on the lawn. I don't know exactly. I don't, I don't know. I got to find out about that one, man. You, you stumped and, me on that and one. I might. So on a, but the story I can share in that case is we had an asbestos removal crew and the two guys, two of the guys on the crew ended up getting in a strap, like a full on fist fight. And the homeowner ended up locking herself in her bathroom and calling the police. <laughs> <laughs> so that, was a, that was, that was one of my PMs was on that job uh, for a different company, but that was a bit of a low, funny, like, exciting thing where you know how you try to run through like this scenarios and like yeah. okay what's the worst that yeah. can happen here and nobody could have quite seen that one coming that were, were they were they that still both involved. were they still both wearing their hazmat suits while they were fighting away like it was like two michelin men's just going at it yeah i think oh we should God. i think we should have popcorn on the truck man like yeah. i mean this is entertaining that's hilarious <laughs> oh absolutely that is funny oh too funny man too funny what uh, did we miss anything guys i know that i we got to do another show about the builders and brews man like i really want to I, I love what you guys are doing out there i think it's amazing i think that the whole idea of not looking at your brother contractor as competition and more as part of the community man yeah 100 percent. and contributing to each other that's all it is and that's huge and then you guys are doing it man it's amazing so yeah and a part of that focus with builders and brews too and i think yeah i'd love to do another show because we could fill a whole one with that but it's also to provide a place for all the different aspects of our industry. Like we have designers that are involved with that. We have architects, we have trades and suppliers. So it doesn't really exist in our industry, a meaningful place for all the different parts to connect. Like, Would, would you bring clients into the mix? Pardon me? Would you bring clients into the mix? I think that's kind of taboo. Yeah. Eh? yeah, yeah. Would you? Had, oh, I would you really? Huh? Out, out to events. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Hmm. Interesting. And that's one of the things. That but then you can't talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> but we also like to host an event that states what's on clients. So get the clients up on stage and get them to talk to us and say, "Well, what you know? What are your anxieties? What? How do you feel about contractors?" Like, so you guys got a you guys that. got an open mic policy kind of thing? Yep. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah, really, for sure. that's I mean, we, dangerous we for me, man. I that's know, way too crazy. dangerous for me, man. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> 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 we, we want you guys on there. Yeah, if we, if we approach it with that fear, then like, we're all trying to be better. I'll go and on there and just be crickets, man. I'm not saying yeah. anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is amazing. So, all right, so we will not, you, you guys have a song? Oh God! You want me to take it? Yes, be- be- before right. before I get into the twelve questions of construction, do you guys have a song, and we'll get you guys to do the song, and then we'll get into the questions. Barnes got good singing voice. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the bullet on the song. All right, all right. So and over to you, man. Only song, 
So are we going <laughs> to fall asleep you while you're singing this? <laughs> you can if you want to. <laughs> it might be weird. Close your eyes and I'll kiss you. Tomorrow I'll miss you. Remember I'll always be true. And that while I'm away, I'll write home every day. And I'll send all my loving to you. Ah! Oh my love it! <laughs> there you go. Thank you very much, man. Nobody gets awesome. away. Nobody gets away. <laughs> All, All right, right, guys, this has been amazing. Adrian, honestly, Byron, honestly, this has been amazing, man. Trust me. Like, I'm glad that we finally did this, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This was really good. So, everyone, check them out at Unique Projects YYC, www.uniqueprojects.ca, Brookwright underscore Construction on IG, and also Brookwright.ca, and then also Builders and Brews, check them out uh, at Builders and Brews, A N D, and then www.buildersandbrews.ca, and then Home Keep. You guys want to tell us a little bit about Home underscore Upkeep for now? Yeah, I could, yeah, I could just sort of briefly do that. We're um, the website that yeah, the link there is too is an old one. We're, we're in the we're now rebuilding that, but basically it comes from a place of building these big multi million dollar homes and renovations and and people not knowing how to take care of them. Um, You know, the longevity is like making sure your asset is secure for the future. Concierge uh, type of service where they can call us uh, for anything and everything. You know, once, you know, borrowing hands over a a multi million dollar house, you know, how do you take care of that furnace? How do you take care of that boiler? You know, where where do you go with that? And then on to the extreme is like a concierge service where if you want your car taken to the garage, because at least the service will take care of it. You know, if you want to be dropped off at the airport, if you want new artwork coming in your house, anything like that, then we can uh, take care of that for you. So, That's brilliant. Yeah. I love it. I was just going to say, we, we just recognized that there was a market for that continued high-level service beyond when you just drop the keys in their hands, right? And Jim, I'm sure you've seen this too, both of you guys, where like you leave it, a job's not done when you're finished on site, there's always callbacks and always just ongoing service that's required. So a home upkeep fills that gap for us. But even callbacks are an opportunity because they might want to add more stuff or they know somebody else that could be in the market. Exactly. That's so why, that's why that always service. stay in touch. Yeah, yeah. Always stay in touch. And then, yeah. yeah, no, but that's a great idea, man. I like it. Yeah. Gentlemen, you ready for the 12 questions there? Bring it on. Yeah. So we'll ask uh, one question. You guys will both answer there. Uh, separate answers. No cheating. There's no cheating. <laughs> what is your favorite construction word? One quality in mind is collaboration in, in line with uh, everything we've been talking about today. What is your least favorite construction word? So mine's more of a little bit of a sentence, but it's, uh, I hate people that say just a little bit more. What, yeah, no. what do you mean by that? Are Give we, us a number. Give us a number. Yeah. <laughs> and mine's mine, fiduciary responsibility oh. because it's one of those terms that clients or lawyers or somebody throws around to try and scare what they perceive as less educated contractors it's true I've seen it before uh, what turns you on in, con- in construction gentlemen mine's client satisfaction now that you walk away from that job and, and that's satisfied with what we've done nice mine's easier mine's just a nice clean job site yeah what turns you off in construction? Trades with problems. Mine's the guys that show up on site with boner pants. <laughs> with what? Like jogging pants. 
Oh, like oh, yeah, sweatpants, sweatpants, man. Sweatpants. Yeah. Sweatpants to have sweatpants, no business. So you know, Manny's wearing them right now. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not on the job site, man. I'm recording a podcast. There's a difference. I had a late night. That's all I got to say. What is your favorite curse word or phrase, gentlemen? You fucking know, man. <laughs> God, mine doesn't make any sense, but I worked with my little brother Gregory for a while. And we would always have to have a creative explanation queued up because we were working for a contractor who didn't allow any swearing on site. So he was, Greg got fell one time. He fell off a truss that was icy and fell onto a stepladder. But as he fell, he yelled, Hermione Granger! <laughs> <laughs> so that's my favorite outside explanation. Uh, what is your favorite car, truck, bike, vehicle? I was too far to me, like if we're talking construction and the F-150 is my favorite truck, so oh, I have one of those. So. Ford guy. So if we're, and also uh, for Aston Martin, oh, the DC7 would be the old one. Oh, nice. Mine's the mine's regular cab, Toyota Tundra, long box, two-wheel drive. I had, I had that truck twice. I bought it. bought it new both times, and it's great. Does it come in diesel, or do they do it in diesel? I think it does now. The last one I bought was like a, we, we've moved on from it now, but it's, uh, I don't know, it was a few years ago. What is your least favorite car, truck, bike, vehicle? So I've got one here, and there's a little bit of a story. So my least favorite vehicle is a mini pickup. My first vehicle as a plasterer, as a laborer, was a small mini pickup, and we used to load the back out of it. Honestly, we must have had, like, two tons of friggin' material in the back of this mini pickup. So I had, like, holes in the floor. You could see the road underneath you. And I had no that had no power to it. Like, you'd go to overtake the articulated lorry, and that would take you a day to overtake it. Like, it was the worst thing ever. But also got me back and forth to the job site, so... That's funny. And mine, mine was my shitty brown Chevy S10 that I started out with. <laughs> I never knew if it was going to get me where I was going, and I hated that. What construction sound or noise do you love, gentlemen? The mine's the most plastering background, so people might not know this, but I love the fucking the swoosh of the trowel on a finished drywall wall. Like when you're, oh, when you're nice. trowing it off. Smooth, like that, yeah, that smooth neat. motion. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mine's running a board through a planer. It's not a sound you hear on site very often, but when you do, you know there's extra quality going into that. It is. It's such a unique sound, man. Yeah. What sound or noise do you guys hate? I hate it when I'm on site and I hear someone forcing the chop saw through a piece of wood. Oh, I know. It's crying. Why do that? I'm just like, take it slower. Like, take a couple of, you know, use the material. Use the tool, not force it through the wood. Yeah. 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 To like a high school, I actually coming out of high school, I actually trained or wanted to be a graphic designer. Okay. Um, so I think you know maybe give that a go. But I also had written down here is um, it's not really a job, but you know just an outdoors like travel. Like you know if I could make that a job, me traveling the world. Would oh, be lo- good, pretty good. 
Lots of people are doing it on Instagram, travel influencers. Yeah. <laughs> you can sense the respect in my voice when I say that expression. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Adrian, Adrian doesn't have the body for it, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> Mine, I'd, I'd love to do something, it's kind of funny that we talked about this already, but I'd love to do something in the lumber industry, but forestry specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that could get me out into the woods and help me understand how that part of the market works and how we can work to protect and effectively use the forest we have here in Canada. What profession would you not like to do, guys? I'd just say anything to do with sewerage. Like, if it's dealing with people's shit, don't want to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> you are in construction, right? I'll just check it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I wouldn't want to do anything. Well, I have accountants written down, but I wouldn't want to do anything where I know what my schedule is going to be like for the next six months. My and my brother-in-law is a firefighter, and he can like publish his schedule for the next eighteen months, I think. And I don't know why, but that scares the shit out of me. So I wouldn't want that. No, you know what? It's actually a very, very good point, man. Because when it comes to construction, every day is different. You go in there, yeah. and every day is different. I totally agree with you on that. Last question, gentlemen: If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Don't worry, none of the old good clients made it. <laughs> and my, my, mine's, mine's just you're early. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, man. Really appreciate you guys making the time on a Saturday and, and hanging out with us and chilling and sharing all kinds of stories, man. I, I know that it resonates with everybody out there. I know that our core audience, believe it or not, our millennials, man, our 25 to 35 group, they love listening to us and I, they want to learn. They want to learn and they want to build some strong construction brands out there. And I love that. So I love talking to passionate guys like yourselves. Jim, yeah. you feel no, the same no, way. It's, it, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's great, amazing. Yeah. So once again, guys, at Unique Project YYC, at Brookwright underscore construction, at Builders and Brews, and at Home underscore Upkeep. Please check them all out and uh, and then reach out to them, man. Talk to them. They're, 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 exactly. Yeah, you know, everybody's willing to just share, share nuggets of knowledge in construction, man. So, guys, thank you and very much. We, guys, I can't, we can't wait to uh, come out there and put Manny on the hot seat. <laughs> 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 By then, I'll have some media coaching, so then I'll be taught how to express certain feelings. Come on a Thursday. adrian byron thank you very much man thank you so much and we'll talk soon through uh social media there man awesome that's right thanks guys all right right. take care take care guys cheers